Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and I'm your host today. Our show today is going to be a discussion of um, mental illness and addiction, and um, we're going to touch on a lot of different subjects, including um, PTSD and child abuse and spousal abuse and uh, psychosis and all kinds of things that happen in a lot of families, but um, a lot of families... uh, experience and feel a lot of shame as a result of these brain disorders that um, people suffer from. And our guest today is a first-time novelist, and she wrote her book as a novel to protect people's anonymity and because she wanted to be able to take some um, poetic license with some of the experiences that she's witnessed over the years. And our guest is Brenda Davis, uh, who lives in Cordova, Tennessee, with her five dogs, and her husband, Brenda graduated from Oklahoma State University in 1975 with a veterinary medicine degree. She practiced veterinary medicine and mixed animal practice, which she owned and operated for 25 years in Hope, Arkansas. Brenda also worked for the USDA Food Safety and Inspection Service as a supervisory public health veterinarian and retired in 2012. Brenda Davis, our guest today, who has written a novel called um, Shadows. And it's a very interesting um, book uh, about three generations of women. Um, Two generations, um, actually three, have experienced um, mental illness and and, uh, one generation had a dual disorder of mental illness and addiction. And... uh, Brenda, uh, this is a very intriguing novel. It was was fun to read. It was... uh, I like the style of it. Um, parts of the book were very hard to read, and I just wondered what made you decide to write a novel? Well, uh, through the years of my practice, uh, I just always felt that I, I would like to write a book someday. Uh, when you meet as many people and deal with as many problems as you do uh, with that many people, you you tend to have some things that kind of stick in your mind and, and you want to share it because if you can help any one person uh, realize that they have a problem or, or seek help, then uh, I think it's really important that you do that. So I, I pretty much, uh, of course, I never had time to do that with an active practice and, and my children and all of that. And then so I waited till I 
retired, and then I kind of gathered all of my uh, uh, things that I had thought about and, and put it into a fictional novel. Uh, actually, the novel is based uh, is is centered in the area where I grew up. Of course, I'm familiar with, and that's around the uh, South Arkansas, uh, around Hope, where I was uh, raised, <clears throat> and my children, and uh, uh, that's so that's the basis of my scenery and and all of that. Of course, I didn't call it Hope. I called it Eden because I, I didn't want every detail to be uh, crucial to what I was. I, I didn't want it, anybody centering on just the location rather than, than what I was talking about. Well, I guess considering Hope is also the birthplace of our one of our, our living presidents, that's probably a good yes. idea. Very interesting. Uh, you should say that. Of course, they have... Uh, several areas there that you can go to where they've uh, redone his home uh, and also they have a, a place downtown, kind of a museum. It's the train's old train station. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have a lot of memorabilia there and uh, of course he still has a lot of uh, relatives in that area and uh, so yeah, he's, he's a very important part of our uh, of the culture of hope and of course uh, nobody really thinks about it, but uh, our longtime uh, governor was uh, also from there too. So, anyway, we we have several people from from Hope. Well, that's 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 good to know. As a veterinarian, how did you get so interested in people problems? Well, <clears throat> a person who is a veterinarian uh, soon finds out that. You're in the people business because your animals, of course, cannot tell you what's wrong with them. You have to rely on your their owners to communicate that information to you. So you almost have to become uh, familiar enough with the people to, to be able to communicate with them to help the animal. And as you know, people don't always... Uh, tell you everything. Not that they they lie on purpose. They may leave out some some very important uh, facts that would help you because uh, it's things that they don't really want you to know or to think think bad about them. But so you kind of have to 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 become a a, a people person. And uh, I found that very interesting over the years that. Uh, communicating with that many people that even though you're dealing with animals, you, every animal comes with a per, with a with a person. <laughs> so that's that's how I became interested in in people and and their lives and and uh, sometimes you can see through through their animals the the pain that that some of their family members are that they're going through. We'll be right back after this commercial. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Have you figured out what's not working in your sex life? Could you use a little help? Join your host, Tamaran, for Let's Figure It Out Intimately. Tamaran has had both highs and lows in her sex life. She uses her experiences to teach you some basic techniques on how to create more fun, intimacy, and pleasure. Her guests also come from the sexual health and wellness industry. And together, Tamaran and her guests will help you get the sex life you've always longed for. Let's figure it out intimately. Airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we continue to have technical difficulties, and we're just going to keep going for as long as technology allows us to go. Um, Brenda, you uh, titled your book Shadows. Um, can you explain to our listeners what you mean by shadows? Uh, I, I chose the name Shadows because I feel that people hide things that they uh, feel would be embarrassing to them or that they don't want other people to know, they hide those in the shadows so that uh, they're not exposed to uh, society. And even in their own minds, they, there's shadows that they can hide things that they do not want to think about, uh, maybe trauma that happened to them, and even to the point of uh, it coming back later in, in the form of... Uh, PTSD, uh, those kind of shadows. So we form two different kind of shadows. One, so that society will not see what we don't want them to see. And two, so we can hide in our mind things that, that we're not able to cope with. So that's why I used uh, shadows. And then the premise being that if we shine light on these shadows and bring out those problems that 
we can cope with them better or you can get help help in in taking care of those problems. Well, you're you're trying to tackle um, both stigma and discrimination um, that people with mental illness and addiction experience in your book. And um, I applaud you for doing that, but that's no easy task. Well, you know, I I just, uh, as it developed, you know, I just seem to things that that seem to come along and problems that are all associated you know I felt like that I ought to include those um, as a parent of uh, I have two I had two adopted children and I had a child and I also had uh, a foster child that I raised and uh, two stepchildren so <laughs> I also had a wide variety of, of children there that had different problems. So I wanted to try to all integrate this together on how those problems affect our family and our children and then the next generation. And in your book, you have three generations that have been affected from um, mental illness. And it's interesting how in the first generation... Um, you talk about how how much people hid mental illness in their family um, and, and how people, well, in essence, lied about what was going on. Um, and that was very common. Yes, it, it, they, it was a common practice that if you had someone at that time, you know, you called them odd or different. And families... Due to a lack of communication or even help, a lack of, of education in that area, they just kept those those uh, family members isolated and hidden. And then if they became too much for the family to handle, then they sent them to institutions. And the institutions were uh, just a collective holding area where... You know, the people that were mild, anywhere from mildly disturbed to almost criminally insane could be in the same area. And actually, uh, they didn't get the individual treatment that they needed. So that a lot of people that could have been helped were essentially lost during, during that period of time. So through the three generations, the, the, uh, Advances that we've met that have been made in in uh, medications and uh, counseling and and all of that have made a tremendous improvement in uh, people's lives. So I think that's that's an important that was a that was the reason that I went three generations is I wanted first to note that it is hereditary. There's a hereditary tendency, and second to note that you know there is help. And uh, we have to reach out of those shadows and ask for that help. I think that's often easier said than done. It takes a lot of courage to, um, first of all, admit that someone that you care about may have a mental illness or or an addiction. And I think that society tends to blame the family, like, well... You know, maybe you didn't love the person enough. Maybe you weren't right. a good parent. Maybe I worked too much. Um, you know, I think it's 
it's very hard for people to sometimes mm-hmm. uh, reach out for help. And, and you're exactly right, and I have a, a personal experience with that in that uh, my uh, adopted daughter that uh, was my middle child, um, she was a beautiful child and very, very smart. And as a, as a preteen uh, or a child was uh, what we would just call kind of precocious, uh, people would tell me that I wasn't strict enough on her. She seemed to act out. She was uh, um, very, uh, took chances. She didn't sleep much. You know, all of those things. And it was always, well, you need to be uh, tougher or you need to, you know, she's just acting out. You get all these kinds of uh, information. And yet even... As an educated person as I was, you know, with eight years of college, I was not prepared to know that there were red, look for the red flags. And consequently, when she turned 13, we had major issues during her teenage years. And there again, I missed a lot of the things that I, I, sh- I should have known. Uh, and, and should have reached out and gotten that help. And actually, it was by her own initiative when she became 20, she looked, she actually found her biological mother. And in meeting her biological mother, she realized that her mother had major, uh, problems with being bipolar and even had a younger child, a lot younger than, than, than my daughter. Uh, who was uh, very mentally challenged. So it made her realize that she did have these problems and uh, she began to get the help she needed. And uh, thank goodness through that help and through medication and through counseling, she is now very productive, uh, has three children, uh, has a very very good married life and and I'm so proud of that and yet I do feel that we might have had a much better uh childhood if I had have been able to recognize those issues and I think that's one thing people don't they don't recognize them because of the fact that well you know there's other things you, you that that people think you as a parent should be doing. So you're exactly right. Not it's hard, it, and it's uh, I would have to say being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have, and the least, and that we're the least educated to do. So uh, that's another reason that I brought that out was to to help people look for those red flags. You know, this is a really great um, observation because I think a lot of parents feel like, well, I should have known something that was different. But how how do you know that if, if in fact, you're parenting for the first time and you're just beginning to parent an adolescent, how do you know that unless Mm -hmm. uh, a pediatrician points something out to you or, or... the school points something out to you. It's really, I think, sometimes hard for people to know what's quote-unquote normal. 
Exactly. And there are so many uh, different things all the way from autism to, you know, hyperactivity, dyslexia, all of those things that can can come into play that it's really, it is really hard to, to recognize. Uh, I know the education system now is so much more trained towards see, n- noticing these things and helping these children that, that that is a big help to parents if they will listen to uh, the teachers and believe what the teachers are telling them. Many times they don't want to hear what is actually going on because it's their child. And that's another thing that people have to be be strong and say, okay, I know my child has a problem, now let's deal with it. it rather than say, uh, they're wrong, my child does not have a problem. So that's another another issue that, that parents have to face. So it is hard. It is it is very hard. Brenda, what were some of the red flags that, um, looking back, what would you describe as a red flag? Um, the first thing I would describe is uh, lying. Uh, that is that. Not that all children all children do tell white lies, but I'm talking about lying or talk or making up things. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, my child began to tell the teachers that I was mean to her, that I beat her, you know, those kind of things. And all of those are are attention-getting, but they're also, you know, outrageous and hurtful. And so that that was a, a major red flag that I missed. I thought she was just being, um, you know, upset that I grounded her or something like that. Yet it was it was a major would have been a major flag red flag. Um, how did this affect the other kids in your family? Well, it was extremely hard, and the reason being mainly because um, I had two boys. And uh, uh, they were uh, a lot of times her her actions would embarrass them with their friends, um, and and there was conflict there. And when you have a child that requires a lot more attention, you find that you not not that you mean to. But a lot of times you actually spend so much of your time on that child that you are neglecting your other two. In other words, you are it, all, it becomes all about the one that is causing all the trouble or the, the discourse so that it does affect the other children. Uh, and that's, that's, that's another thing that makes it a family issue. It does. It it certainly does. And I think that, um, you know, I I think parents do the best they can with what they have to work with. And and looking back, is there something that 
in a community that may have been available to you or that could have been available to you that would have made this easier? Well, I feel like if I had uh, reached out for uh, professional help, such as counseling, uh, and we had some other issues come in there and that my first husband and I were divorced, and so that gave her an out in that she would go and live with her dad, you know, and, and would be kind of out of my control. And uh, he he had problems, too. He was uh, uh, what we know now to be a manic depressant type person. Uh, he'd have deep, deep depressions. And so, you know, she... While she was there, she not only was not getting the help she needed, but also was dealing with his issues. So, you know, it got really complicated. And um, there was, you know, there were things that I should have reached out and done. And, and um, you know, I hate to say that I probably took the easy way out. I I just let him deal with it when she was at her at his house, and I just kind of, closed off, which is not the way to be. (laughs) But I think it's the way a lot of families um, cope. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Thank you. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Health and wellness is about making lifestyle choices that make us feel good about ourselves. It's easier knowing what to do than it is doing it. Listen to the TAMS toward a magnificent self, health and wellness show with your host, Tammy Anastasia, M.A., Tammy will explore and uncover the answers to what gets in the way of our motivation. Through her expertise and occasional guest experts, Tammy will inspire and motivate you to make realistic lifestyle changes. Listen live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. No matter what our age is, health deserves our utmost attention. But how do you achieve optimal wellness? Tune in to Ask Lorna Live. Your host, Lorna Vanderhaeg, will provide research-backed solutions that will have you feeling fit and fabulous. It all comes down to hormones. We'll show you how it works with mainstream medicine along with nutritional medicine. Listen for Ask Lorna Live every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Brenda Davis, the author of a novel called Shadows. And in this novel, uh, Brenda describes how um, a family, uh, three generations of this one family, uh, coped with and experienced mental illness and addiction. And um, one of the, uh, I guess, um, experiences that each generation faced to some degree was domestic violence, Brenda, and that's uh, a big part of your book is focused on that. Right, right. Uh, that That is a, a, a very uh, prominent thing in our society today, which you would think with all the advances that we've made and all of the, the advantages that we have that... Uh, we have children and in situations that they are mentally and physically abused and that also we have uh spousal abuse not just women but men also but predominantly women and it's um that affects the children as well as the wife but uh you know i think that that is one of the the biggest things that we hide in the shadows is uh, spousal abuse and child abuse. Children are not going to tell and uh, what's happening, uh, and uh, wives stay in situations that are uh, unhealthy or, or even dangerous to them for many different reasons, and why they stay is in a review, abusive relationship is uh, very complicated, and it's not easy to say, "Well, why don't you just leave?" Because most, a lot of the time, the women have been isolated to the point where they don't have resources to leave. Maybe they don't have a way to make a living uh, for their children, or uh, they don't have a place to go. They don't have a support system, and uh, sometimes the situation is so abusive that they uh, fear for their lives if they leave. So uh, the thing there is uh, being able to uh, reach out and have a support system, uh, a way that they can have a safe haven long enough to reorganize, get a job, get some education, uh, to be able to to live on their own uh, without an abusive spouse, it's very complicated. It takes time, and and uh, it is one. I think it is one of our our uh, biggest uh, problems, especially for our next generation, because it does. It is um, uh, a cycle of abuse that has to be broken, and uh, it takes outside help to do that. Uh, my foster children that I had, uh, two of them came from a very, very abusive 
family uh, physically and mentally. And uh, I know from uh, dealing with them and helping them uh, or trying to help them, uh, it's very complicated because even though they were abused, they still had uh, ties to their family. And those ties are not easily broken uh, at all. And uh, they tend to feel like it's their fault rather than the abuser so that it's hard for them to, to break out of that cycle. And uh, all you, you know, the best thing you can do is just offer them help and show them that there's other ways to, to live without being critical of their family to the point where uh, they feel um, that there's something wrong with them. I think what's really hard for, for children is if they get taken out of the home, not only are they abused, but they've just lost their home and their parents or, or their siblings and or they get scattered. And so it's, you know, I think sometimes the cure can almost be as bad as the affliction that these kids um, are, you know, just lose so much. It is sad. And I, uh, on another note, I had two uh, children that I kept for about three months that were abandoned by their mother at a neighbor's house. And they were 18, well, I, w- I was told they were 18 months and four at the time that I went to get them. And yet they turned out to be nine months and three, which made it a lot more complicated. But the situation was she abandoned them. And then, you know, after I had them three months and they they were wonderful children, they really were. And, you know, I had people call me, and I don't even know how they knew, but call me about adopting these children and, you know, getting them into a stable home, yet when we actually went to court, they gave them back to the mother because she said she was going to live with her father, which that turned out to be a disaster. And actually the children, which I kind of followed them, they ended up being bounced from relative to relative to relative until I lost track of them. So... We have a lot of work to do on our system, and uh, I don't have the answers to that. I just know that was terribly sad to see them go back to their mother who abandoned them again. Uh, after she had them, she left them again, this time with her father, and uh, then he couldn't take care of them. So it was it was uh, a hard lesson for me, and... Uh, one that uh, I won't forget easily. So not only do we have issues with people that are actually uh, need the help, but our society is, I mean, our, our uh, in, institutions that are in place to help them have problems too. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of a sad situation. Well, and in your book, you also point out that domestic violence goes across all socioeconomic levels. It just doesn't happen to poor people. It does. Uh, And it's just that the the more affluent people tend to 
keep the secret better. Uh, for one thing, they have a big uh, financial issue there. If the wife leaves, she's got nothing. And if she can, you know, when she's there, even though she's being abused, she still has a roof over her head and a nice, you know, and and access to the the everything that comes with with money. So there's a lot of issues there that that they have to deal with also. I think, you know, it's, as you said earlier, it's such a complicated situation. And, um, you know, people who batter need need help and that they can get better if they're in the right treatment program. And I think that's important for people to understand that this cycle can be broken. And people who have been battered can learn not to batter as well. And, um, you know, it. There, there's so there's so much out there in the world that um, we're I don't know we're living so fast that we don't stop often enough sometimes to think about what we're doing or how we're doing things and you know our systems are every year you know they have less and less money to help with domestic violence or to help with um, child abuse or to help with mental illness or addiction and. Um, and it just seems like we're investing in all the wrong things as a society. You know, we don't invest in our children. We don't invest in the people who need our help. But, you know, we'll build, we'll build a faster car or a bigger jet engine or a, or a more deadly gun or a weapon system. And that seems mm-hmm. to be our, our values. I know in Arkansas... Uh, um, and I, I know this happens other places, but in Arkansas, our governor's wife, and this was Mike Huckabee's wife, while he was in uh, office, she, a, a big part of her interest, uh, was in the, the foster system, and she, uh, worked really hard to get a lot of the red tape of adopting children out of the foster system uh, uh, reduced so that more of the older children could be adopted. There were so many obstacles, like if you were a foster parent and you had children as foster children, you were not allowed to adopt them uh, for some reason. But she cut across those a lot of those lines and many, many, many more of those children that are in foster care with no chance of coming out of foster care or being adopted out. And, uh, I, I, you know, I just applaud her for that because she she worked really hard to get a lot of those changes. And that's what it takes to someone who is very interested and has the means to make a difference. And, uh, you know, the the first thing is you, you have to recognize the problem and then, you know, work on it. So that that's just one one instance of trying to to help the the system do better, uh, even though it seems overwhelming for the people that work in that system, because uh, because I know that being associated with them. Um, I, I just want to go back to your book for a minute because um, one of the characters in your book is Sweetie, who is a doc, who is a little dog. Uh, rescue dog who really does a lot to heal her master. And um, as a veterinarian, did you see that a lot? 
I saw that uh, every day, and that is something that's really uh, true to my heart, uh, is the things and what I see that the people, and especially children, relate to animals. And I did a lot of work in that area and that I had dogs of my own that I would take to schools. Children that had never even touched a dog could actually come. And, and I, of course, I, my lecture included, you know, being cautious and not petting stray dogs and, and those kind of things. But at the same time, introducing them to dogs and uh, also took dogs to the nursing home and I found uh, such a re- such a response uh, they would say that people that wouldn't talk or say a word all day and you taking a dog and they're petting and talking to this dog uh, uh, just non-stop and it, it does it, it they, they are make a tremendous uh, impact on people Yeah, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. No matter what you have tried, healing is always possible. Learning about healing, what it is, and what it can do brings a much clearer understanding of the process. Listen for the Healing Power Hour with Suzanne Hill. Our program will help you understand your own body so that you can understand how you can reduce or eradicate any negative health issues that you might be dealing with. Healing is energy-based, and by learning how it works, you help yourself. Tune in to the Healing Power Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Maybe there is something to a 3,000-year-old healing system. Tune in every week to Holistic Healing with Herbs and Chinese Medicine with hosts Michelle Collins and Andres Figara. Herbs, acupuncture, qigong, and food can work together to treat most chronic and acute health problems. Michelle and Andres will present discoveries intended to enhance your health. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ancient therapies can help you in modern times. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Brenda Davis, who lives in Cordova, Tennessee, with her husband, Hugh. She is um, currently retired. She is a veterinarian. She also worked uh, for the USDA Food Safety and Inspection Service as a supervisory public health veterinarian, retired in 2012. This is her first book called Shadows. And in it, uh, it's a novel about three generations of women who... Um, Cope and experience mental illness and, and addiction. And um, you also shared with us, Brenda, that um, you have um, adopted children. And um, and I'm wondering um, if you could share a little bit about that experience. Um, uh, well, uh, adoption is a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing because it... Uh, has, it has the interest of the child, and an, a parent that, or uh, an adult that surrenders their child to adoption, should be applauded because it is a very, very hard thing to do, and it is for the interest of the child, and it is the hardest thing in the world for a mother to give up a baby, and so for her to do that you have to know that she cares deeply for the future of this child. If she cannot take care of that child to to see that it has a mother and a father that do care for them is a wonderful thing. Uh, to me, my adopted, I have two adopted children. I had a child. Uh, I have stepchildren and I have foster children. And, you know, they, they, they're all you know, dear to me, and uh, I I could never make a difference in them. So uh, it was a blessing in my life to be able to adopt a child, and 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 I thank the parents that surrendered that child for allowing me to to have them, and uh, so it was a blessing to me, and uh, I. Uh, and a big responsibility also, as children are, of course, big responsibility. And uh, I'm very, very blessed that uh, my children are, you know, they're all doing okay. They're, they have a job, and they have families, and they, they're, they're uh, on their own, and they're doing, doing well. So not that everybody doesn't have problems, but still, I'm very blessed. That, that my children are doing well. And I have 16 grandchildren, so who could be so blessed? <laughs> yeah, that, that is truly a blessing. And um, I think sometimes, you know, um, I know that I have been active in the New Hampshire chapter chapter of um, NOFAS, which is, um, you know, the, the Organization for Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Disorders, and that oftentimes... Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, women will have a drink or some drinks during their pregnancy. Um, sometimes women have alcoholism or alcohol abuse, or sometimes women don't know they're pregnant and they're drinking. Right. And then that alcohol use has permanent effects on their children. And a lot of adoptive parents don't realize um, the the history when they when they adopt someone. So it does take a special person to. Um, it is, to it go is there. something that uh, uh, parents that are adopting should be very uh, selective. They should uh, check the backgrounds of the of the parents. And I know from being mm-hmm. on that end of the stick that you just think, "Oh, I just want a child. I just want that baby." And the thing you have to look at is that you know when. Children, when you have children, you are uh, ultimately raising them to go on their own and be productive people in society. If you have a child that has alcohol syndrome or any of these other problems, then you're looking at a lifetime of being that caretaker for that child and being responsible for if something happens to you, that that child is taken care of, so it is. It's it's very uh, important. Uh, now, both of my children uh, were adopted through Volunteers of America, which is a, a they have a, a mother's home, as well as the hospital and the adoption agents all together, so that the mothers are actually in the home before they have the children, so they are you know, monitored and tested and the whole thing. So that's that's uh, an ideal way to go about adoption. But on a, the other note, if you do a personal adoption, just be vigilant about checking out background and things like that uh, and at least take away as many of the obstacles as you possibly can. Brenda, how can listeners find your book? Uh, my book is available uh, on uh, barnesandnobles.com. It's available on amazon.com. Um, uh, and I do have, it is in a couple of bookstores, uh, one here in Memphis uh, called Booksellers uh, downtown at um, downtown Memphis. It's a very. Uh, it's been there for a long time, so it's a very established bookstore. Um, and I have copies. Uh, you know, if somebody wanted to personally contact me, I would be glad to ship them a signed copy. Um, uh, I do that a lot. So, um, if they would like to contact me, um, I can give you. You know, make available my address and. Uh, uh, phone number, and I'd be glad to ship them a signed copy. Uh, and and I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to to get my message out there. I, I wrote this book because I felt a need to to get people aware of some of the issues that I've seen through my life. And um, like I said. I'm not looking at it from the angle that I'm a educated psychologist, but from the angle of just 
living through a lot of it and seeing a lot of this going on and being very concerned about it. So how can people contact you? Okay. Uh, they can contact me through my phone number. I can give you that, 901-759-3467. Uh, or they can contact me uh, through the mail, which my address is 9... Do you have th- a website or an email I'll address? What, let me give you my website because it's very easy. It's Brenda okay. DVM dot uh, at yahoo dot com. So okay, just Brenda, Brenda DVM DVM for D- Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. Okay. At Yahoo, and I would be just thrilled uh, to send them a book uh, and uh, sign it or however they would like it. Uh, this, it, it's, so also, it's available uh, online uh, in ebook, e-reader, uh, hard copy or soft copy, and uh, I believe it's also on audio. Um, thank you so much for putting up with our technology glitches today. And, uh, <laughs> That's no problem. For, for being no problem. a guest, I, um, it was a, it was a, it was a fun book to read. I enjoyed the characters. I wasn't sure I was going to like uh, one of the women, but I ended up liking her a lot. And um, yeah, and and I think that uh, you know the more that we can help people understand that mental illness and addiction are brain diseases, and that um, it's no more shameful than having hypertension, diabetes, or right. asthma. Exactly, really and, it, and there's there's treatment, there's treatment out there, and uh, I I can tell you for sure that you can they can lead normal lives with with education and help. You can't do it by yourself. That's for sure. There's very few things in life we can do by ourselves. <laughs> I know, and why do we always think we can? You know, it's always like well, I can do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. So um, thank, thank you, you so again. much, Mary. And I hope that everyone has a great week and um, enjoy the last week of Lent, which is great, huh? So. Yes, yes, yes. So, and, and a happy Easter. Happy Easter to you too, and um, happy Easter and happy Holy Week to everybody. Have a good week. Thank you so much. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.